Now, Bill here and myself, we're uh, old dungeon masters. You know, we're storytellers. Old and dungeon masters. Old applies, and dungeon masters, yes. Storytellers, directors, if you will, of, of role-playing games, especially, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Those of you who've been following our little podcast adventure for nearly three years now, you, you already know all this. But as mentioned before, for fantasy tabletop RPG gaming, much of the monsters and the lore of those games are fact-based, real legends and lore. So when we lead our group of gamers into the deep forest to encounter a troll, it's not entirely fantasy, but it's not entirely truth. Such is true with the origins of a troll. They're far from the New Age versions that you might be familiar with on the silver screen. Those little rainbow-haired freaks. Oh, yes, with the rainbow-colored hair. Or Harry Potter movie with the big, dumb, snotty, nose-picking troll. It's a little closer. A little closer, yeah. A little bit there in the, in the bathroom of Hogwarts. Or uh, Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien. You know, Bilbo Baggins tricked the three trolls and arguing amongst them uh, to save his dwarvish comrades. Strangely enough, I'd say those are the closest to the mythological version. And then you got the trolls, of course, in the latter Lord of the Rings and the dwarvish mines of Moria. Uh, you know, the, the big cave trolls. I always thought those were really cool, but they adorned armor and helmets and, you know, fought alongside the orcs. Well, join us tonight as we attempt to travel back into time of the origins of trolls to decipher and to try to glimpse of what really is the story behind the trolls. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Here a troll, there a troll, everywhere a troll. You know, unless you've been living under a rock like trolls. Or a bridge. Or a bridge. Live under a bridge. The trolls that we're talking about tonight, you must admit, trolls have become quite famous recently. You know, we've already mentioned movies, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, the, the troll animation movies by Pixar, you know, big colored mohawks. And, you know, then we go back. How about the German folk art trolls? Some of you might remember your grandmas or grandpas having some of that uh, hard plastic troll dolls that looked a little bit more menacing, a little bit more realistic to some of the, the stories. The earliest recognition of a troll in my personal life has to be the, I didn't realize it was this old, but the 1800s bedtime story called The Three Billy Goats Gruff. Uh, oh, I'm sure it goes back further than that, doesn't it? Well, actually online, that's what they said was probably first written down. Okay. I was uh, going to say, that seems like a really old story. Probably but yes, past word of mouth. heard the three Billy Goats gruff repeatedly growing up with the troll under the bridge. Yeah, but uh, 1800s, I mean, it goes back quite a ways. But this is a story, of course, of three Billy Goats, uh, often depicted as brothers, but with several years separating them. Uh, there, there's a field that they have ate from and it's become quite worn down. There's just not much there to eat. However, across the river, as they say, the grass is always greener on the other side. There's more plentiful, greener pastures. And they were lucky that a well-constructed stone bridge that arched across this river connected the two fields. 
However, there was a big, ugly, mean troll that lived beneath that same bridge that was known to attack anyone who dare cross it. So first, the smaller and younger Billy Goat crossed, making a run for it. But he found himself face to face with the giant troll who lived there beneath the bridge. And the troll says, Ah, you will be a fine little meal, goat. But the clever young goat quickly responded, Why would you eat me? I'm small and I would most certainly not fill you up. However, my brother goat is crossing and he is much bigger. Troll pondered and decided, Well, that that does make sense. So he let the youngest goat pass to eat on the greener pastures. Now, then the second billy goat attempts to cross the bridge, and once again, the big troll stops him. Oh, yes, yes, you're much larger. You will help to fill my tummy. And the second goat, while larger, used the same line as his younger sibling, not much for originality here, and told the troll, our big brother, he's still over there. He's going to be crossing. He will certainly fill your belly good and full. Troll scratched his chin, let out a sigh. <sighs> he rubbed his empty stomach. Still, it did make sense. He could see the largest of the billy goats already approaching and how delicious he looked. So the troll allowed the second goat to cross and joined his younger sibling eating on the other side. This time the troll was determined. He was still pondering his decision to let the two meals pass right by him. This was his last and final attempt. He would not be tricked. This one he would eat. So the troll and the large billy goat had a face-off on the bridge, the troll yelling and taunting the older billy goat. But the older, stronger, and largest billy goat took a run with his head down and charged the troll on the bridge. He used his strong horns and pushed the troll off the middle of the bridge where he fell in the deepest part of a raging river. It became evident that at least this troll could not swim and soon drowned where the current of the river carried his body downstream. The three billy goats all made it safely to the other side to feast on the long, tender grass. And in doing so, no one ever had to fear the evil troll beneath the bridge again. Well, I went back a little further. <laughs> I just got to say, we've said this before, you know, the Grimm's fairy tales and stuff. These yeah. are the bedtime stories we used to go to bed by. I mean, big, ugly trolls <laughs> wanting to eat you. And yeah. yeah, welcome to our childhood. Trolls originate with Norse mythology, where they first kind of appear in those stories. And they appear in the mythologies of the areas that were impacted by, you know, Viking cultures, Norse cultures, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Greenland, Iceland. And then they sort of migrate over into, you know, the Minnesota area, you know, as people from those countries migrated to America later on. They really start as part of Norse mythology. Now, depending on the source of the story, the location, trolls do vary in appearance greatly. But typically, they are described as ugly and slow-witted. You know, but there are stories where they do appear to look and behave almost exactly like humans, with no particularly monstrous characteristics at all. Now, with Norse mythology, troll was a term applied to the Jotunar, which, you know, when we talked about Ragnarok in an earlier episode, we talked about Norse mythology. We talked about the Jotunar. And, you know, if you've seen the Thor movies, Jotunheim, which I found out is an actual location, by the way, over there in, in, in Sweden or Norway, one of the two. There's actually a, a Jotunheim National Park. Oh, wow. So, home of the trolls. But the term Jotunar is mentioned a lot throughout the Old Norse stories. And according to the Old Norse sources, trolls are said to dwell in isolated mountains, rocks, and caves. Now, there are other trolls that dwell in forests and down by the sea. But the most common troll is your mountain troll, your cave troll, your rock troll up in the mountains. 
Now, they will sometimes live together as father and daughter, mother-son groups, or in small family units. They are rarely described as helpful or friendly to human beings. And in fact, a lot of stories say that they have developed a taste for human flesh. Oh, yes. So Now, they are described as a sort of aboriginal or primitive race. They have oversized ears and noses with hairy tails, and their ears have little tufts of fur on them, like a lynx ear, you know, just kind of pops up. Some are known to practice powerful evil magics or sorcery, and they've got a lifespan that's about 1,000 to 2,000 years in length. A good description from the time frame comes from the prose at a book, Skaldskarpamal, which describes the encounter between an unnamed troll woman and the 9th century skald Bragi Bodison. Now, a skald, if you're unfamiliar with the term, would be like a Viking bard, sort of a warrior poet kind of thing. Now, according to the tale, Bragi was traveling through a certain forest late one evening when a troll woman aggressively asked him who he was. And in the process, she described herself. They call me a troll. Moon of the Earth, Rungir, wealth sucker of the giant, destroyer of the storm sun, beloved follower of the Cirrus, guardian of the Nafjord, swallower of the will of the heaven. Bregi responds in kind, describing himself. But that's just sort of how this troll woman describes herself. Of course, in the old Norse terms, there's a lot of overlap, a lot of confusion. What's a troll? What's not a troll? There's a lot of words used to describe these beings. The Jotun, the troll, the Purs, the Risi. These are all words that describe beings that are troll-like. Now, some experts theorize that these were four distinct classes. We had the lords of nature, the Jotun, the mythical magicians, the troll, the hostile monsters, the Purs, and the heroic and courtly beings, the Risi, with the last ones being the youngest to appear on the planet. Others call this theory unsupported by any convincing evidence, with experts highlighting that the term is just used to denote various beings, such as Jotun or Mountain Dweller, a witch, an abnormally strong or large and ugly person, an evil spirit, a ghost, a blemor, a magical boar, a heathen demigod, a demon, a brunmigi, or a berserker. I mean, they have tons and tons of words to describe primitive, savage, monstrous things. And so the word troll is really comes from Norse mythology, but it really isn't home there. You know, it, it's, it's, I found could the, mean a lot of things. I found the word troll actually doesn't appear in written form until about the 12th century. And that was at the end of the paganism yeah. and, and, you know, the region after about a hundred years of Christian influence, even before it was written. But I found some, and I did not know this, but going back more into, again, storytelling, word of mouth, troll was almost like a general term of the boogeyman. Yeah. Uh, there were even groupings of creatures. And I know you were, you were touching on them, but like witches, vampires, werewolves uh, to some cultures would be throwed under the terminology of a troll. It was just kind of a catch-all for those yeah. creatures you couldn't explain. And they think that maybe part of the reason why that word came up was, of course, with that push of the Christian religion and influence. If you were in town and were talking about a witch or a vampire, that was enough to get you killed. Oh, yeah. So if we use a newer term that could kind of collectively describe those, we might be able to get away with talking about it. So to some of the people, it was a way to keep the stories alive where almost certain words were censored or illegal to even use. So I thought that was an interesting, but I did not know that until I did the research for this. Well, as we progress through time and we travel a little bit, in Scandinavian folklore, trolls became more defined and they became their own particular type of being. 
Now, trolls were first said to appear in Sweden during the Iron Age in the form of giants. And these trolls were described as big, ugly, and hairy, and they lived inside of mountains. And they generally were said to have some sort of social organization, unlike the Ra or the Nak, who were said to be solitary beings. Then trolls chose to live far from human habitation and were not Christianized. So going back to what you were talking about a moment ago. Mm -hmm. And since they weren't Christianized, you know, for those that encountered him, they were sometimes dangerous, especially considering that, that a lot of stories talk about how the, the trolls were known to drink the blood of Christians. Sweden sort of resisted Christianization a little bit, and I, I think some of that bled into the troll lore. Bled into, no be, pun intended. And it, it, it did become part of that. And now trolls in Sweden, uh, you know, the uh, Scandinavian folklore here, they did display a habit of kidnapping on a regular basis and they would overrun farms or estates. You know, they, they were monstrous and they, they knocked down churches. They hated the sound of church bells. And it's said that that's part of the reason why there aren't any trolls in Sweden anymore. The church bells ran them out or at least ran them into the, the undiscovered hidden corners. Now, sometimes when, when people in those regions would find big rocks in the forest that just didn't look like they belong, they would say they had been thrown there by the trolls either in anger or as a result of the battles between trolls where they would hurl monstrous boulders at each other. Now, a lot of the stories do tell that trolls are, they're usually very old, very strong, but they're also slow and dim-witted. Even here in these Scandinavian stories, they were often described as man-eaters. Even to this day, trolls are still sometimes associated with particular landmarks in folklore because, you know, much like in The Hobbit, when trolls of Scandinavian folklore are exposed to direct sunlight, they turn to stone. Right. And so a lot of natural stone formations resemble a humanoid form, and so they, they name them for trolls. And, and, and a lot of the stories will say that these used to be trolls that were caught in the sunlight. So whether the Christians ran them out with the church bells or whether they just turned to stone in the sunlight, you know, that's why we don't have as many trolls as we used to have. I did a little research on that as well, and I'll show my geekiness here, but when my family traveled, especially when the kids were still young, you know, you see weird rock formations driving through different states. And yeah, if you use your imagination, you can almost, you know, envision like this troll kind of hunkered down, slouching, and, you know, part of the dirt and grass has grown up over them. And I found in some cultures, you know, it, it was like a vampire. Once the sun hit them, it turned them to stone. Vampires usually turn to ash. But there were some societies that believed that just put them to sleep in yeah. a stone form. So it didn't necessarily kill them. So then they could hide in plain sight, but then as Christians or whatever came by, they could just you know, kind of rise up dirt and trees and stuff falling off of them and attack people. Well, there's also a Scandinavian folk belief that lightning frightens away trolls and also the Jotunar. And that's in numerous Scandinavian folk tales. And this, of course, may be carrying on from the story of Thor's role in fighting such beings once upon a time. And also like could explain why there's a lack of trolls in Jotunar in the modern day, you know, Scandinavian region, because lightning ran them all off, Thor ran them all off. Again, they've turned to stone. Well, they saw that lightning, you know, they thought Thor was coming after him. So now the church bells, there was, I guess, even a sympathetic ear back then. There were people who thought the trolls might have very sensitive hearing. Well, they did have larger ears. Than they do have larger ears. So they were trying to defend, you know, their folklore, their beliefs, you know, as the Christians were trying to almost demonize anything and everything that didn't follow suit with what they yeah. wanted. Uh, but people kind of came up to defend the trolls and they're like, well, these loud church bells, 
even are hurt our ears, so it's hurting the trolls' ears. It's not that they hate Christians, it's they hate the loud noise. So you're going to attack, throw rocks, or tear down these churches yeah. where these big church bells well, supposedly, are. Supposedly, yeah, the trolls did routinely attack churches. And a lot of the very, very old churches in the region will have large stones in their churchyards yeah. that were allegedly thrown there by trolls trying to knock down those church towers. But even back then, troll lives matter. <laughs> so there are a lot of experts that look at different things in, in the troll history, obviously, and they, they take it very seriously. And the Swedish folktale, if you're familiar with the old English poem of Beowulf, which a lot of us had to learn in school, or if you're not familiar with the original story, you may be familiar with the 90s movie Eaters of the Dead with Antonio Banderas, which is sort of a, a retelling of that story. But that's the story of Grindel. Uh, and, and Grindel, you know, invading the Mead Hall. Angelia Jolie was in the, the movie, too. The, yeah. Yep. They, oh, yeah. They made the, the CGI movie, yeah. too. Yep. But Grindel himself was a troll. Troll stories aren't really always about the troll being a monster. The story is not about them attacking Grindel, but it's about cleansing the Hall of Beowulf. So it, it's it's about driving the troll away. The troll is a negative force. It's a negative influence. Well, even in that story... The creature, or the troll, Grendel, seems to be driven mad by the clamorings and singing and the bells, which again kind of goes back to maybe they got big ears, maybe they got really sensitive hearing. And he would return, you know, back to that great Viking dining hall and, you know, hurl rocks and attack it over and over and over and over again. You know, so maybe, again, it was kind of similar to the church bells. It was just, you know, hurt, you know, hurt his hearing. A slightly different kind of troll, if you get into Norwegian tradition, they have stories about trolls. They call theirs the Huldra folk or the hidden folk. And there is a, a distinction between them and the trolls of the other cultures. Th this word has different origins and, and it may have come from other areas. In Norway, they use the term Huldra folk, though. And, um, you know, the, the, they do have a, a word they call tro, which is like troll, obviously, which describes a different type of creature. Uh, they, they use it as a collective term for supernatural beings, like you were talking about earlier. And, and those creatures should be respected and avoided, not worshipped. And, and, and troll would eventually grow out of that word to describe the more menacing Jotun-like creatures. Whereas the Holder folk, which were a type of troll, they were smaller. Uh, Holder folk were usually described as handsome and blonde, and they had very little to tell them apart from regular people, except for they had long tails with a little tuft of fur at the end like a lion's tail and the tails that's uh, i mean i don't know of any troll in D and D in any in D &D terms no but in a lot of the other it. stories they, they do have tails it's interesting now hold their folk would typically go about naked which would make the tail all the more obvious <laughs> when they did wear clothes they could hide the tail inside their clothes true and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference true and female hold their folk were known to lure men in with their siren like songs and it probably didn't hurt if they were going around naked. So, <laughs> you know. Well, I also did come across, again, D&D, &D, if you if you played or you're into mythology, there's a creature called an Etten, uh, which is kind of a giant creature that usually has two heads. Yeah. I found references that some trolls are said to have multiple heads. I've, I've seen that in relation to trolls. And even folklore. multiple arms sometimes. So, obviously, that's probably not the common, but that was something I thought was quite interesting and. Again, the Etten seems to follow more in line with most descriptions that they're a little dim-witted. You know, an Etten, you can actually supposedly approach and they'll argue with one another. Obviously, there's two heads on one body, but they're arguing with each other over stuff. 
We do notice about 18th, 19th century uh, stories, recordings of trolls seem to kind of get this boost in size. We'll call it the supersized trolls. These are the ones that you'll find in sci-fi and, and fantasy. But literally, it, a troll may be the size of an entire mountain. I mean, 300 foot tall or, or more. These sleeping trolls that uh, Bill and I kind of talked about might uh, be a troll lying down on his side and the mountain has kind of grown over top of them. You know, when you see the grassy parts and then you see stone parts. A lot of these, they do believe, were carved later on, uh, again, to kind of help keep the stories alive with, with Christianity coming in and trying to change and to demonize, you know, especially Scandinavia, uh, their background, their history. So these people were kind of rebellious, you know, rebellious, as you said. They were kind of some of the last to convert. It is suggested that some of them may have even went up and chiseled into some of these rocks <laughs> to make them look more realistic. You know, saying, well, the troll is sleeping, you know, it'll be awakened from its slumber by the church bells and, and so on and so forth. But Well, there's there's still troll stories in those regions. And if you look online, you will find places where people will say they've seen things. As a matter of fact, I know of a particular roadway, I want to say in like Denmark or something, that they were going to make. And there was a protest because where they were going to run the roadway was known to be a home for trolls. Oh, and wow. so the people protested this being, you know, built there. So like I, I, I hinted at earlier, you know, as people immigrated to America, trolls came with them. And so I, I found an article about a Oslo-born Lisa Lunge Larson who lives in Minnesota and says she's always keeping an eye out for troll remains while she travels and that she once saw a dead troll on an island in a lake in Minnesota. And she said, honestly, there was this island, and there I saw this big dead troll. When they die of old age, you know, they turn into these tree root things that are part stone. So again, when a troll dies, you might not always know what you're looking at. And she also has an eye from a dead troll that she found while she was swimming with her son in Lake Superior, and that she carries it around with her while she's telling her tales of trolls. <laughs> and she says, if you know where to look, troll remains can be found all over Minnesota in piles of rocks, burst trolls, gnarled tree roots ancient trolls, and strange land formation. Dead troll bodies laying down had turned to stone. So this eyeball that she discovered, I assume, would maybe just look like a round rock if you didn't know what you were looking Probably. for, per, yeah. per her. But she says that Minnesota is great for troll sightings, partially because of you know the people that had immigrated there, but that also because the land is a lot like the Scandinavian landscape. And so trolls could easily have migrated to Minnesota by wandering from Norway to Iceland, from Iceland to Greenland, and then just, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump across North America to, to find a place that looked like home. So there was a, a rather unusual story that took place in 1919, again, over 100 years ago, that revolves around the experience of a teenager named Harry Anderson, which I'm going to assume is not the Harry Anderson Night of Night Court fame. Now, Harry and his family had gone out for a leisurely drive in the family's new Model T Ford. That's a phrase you don't get to use very often. <laughs> and it was a relaxing summer evening. They had no destination in mind. They were just going for a drive. They, they were enjoying this newfound freedom. About 10 p.m., while they're heading back home down a stretch of desolate, primitive highway, the family car breaks down in the middle of Highway 25. Harry's dad gets out. He checks under the hood. He realizes they need oil. So he sends Harry up the road with an oil can to see if he could find someone that'd be willing to part with some oil. Now, his father stayed behind with the rest of the family in the family car. You know, he's be the man, family, take care of everybody. And Harry walks alone in the dark until he comes upon a sign that reads Barron, Wisconsin. So Minnesota, Wisconsin, you know, that kind of country, part of the country. 
Uh, now, Harry realizes when he sees this sign, they're still like 60 miles from home. They still oh, got a long wow. way to go. So he keeps walking, and he sees a farmhouse in the distance. Now, he cuts across the field to shorten his trip, and he gets some oil from the farmer. He explains the situation. The guy gives him some oil. He's heading back down. As he comes out of the field and back onto the road, he notices something coming towards him in the dark. And, and out of the dark, moving straight towards him, emerged what he described as 20 strange-looking little men. Now, he freaks out. He gets off the road. He hides behind a tree. And as this group of creatures make their way past where he was hiding, he, he, he was able to observe them. They walked single file. They were each completely bald, had pale white skin. He described them as almost being albino-like. And they wore crudely made pants of, of stitched-together leather held up with makeshift suspenders. So he said they were no taller than children, and they moved with single-minded focus on their journey. They seemed to kind of be talking amongst themselves at first, when suddenly they broke out into song in unison. And he heard every word of their song and recited it later. We won't stop fighting till the end of the war in 1994. Sound off one, two, sound off three, four, detail one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. What the living beep. <laughs> so they, they end their song. They start to talk amongst themselves. They walk into the tree line. They disappear from the road and from line of sight. Now, I guess Harry went back to the car and they had come from that direction. He's like, did you see these little guys? And his dad, of course, just, you know, did not. Wasn't having nonsense. It. Now, one of the more famous troll sightings occurred in 1970 in Im Finland, and I may have said that wrong, but this was by Esko Viljo and Forrester Arno Hanonen. The duo were skiing when they encountered a strange reddish mist. The men saw flying saucer emerge from the fog and emit a blinding beam of light. So I'm immediately like, well, they didn't see a troll, so yeah. an alien. But you know, before they lost consciousness and awoke on the mountainside, they later recalled seeing a troll-like beam. Now, both men did need medical attention for sunburn, and the doctors did believe they had been exposed to some level of radiation. Now, Hynonen recalled having been in a strange room surrounded by aliens, and the trolls told him that he, a device had been implanted inside his head that would allow them to communicate with him in the future. Again, this sounds like full-blown alien. But he routinely says it was a, a troll-like troll. creature. So that's why I included it. Interesting. Now, the Finnish Forester does report having acquired some new psychic powers after the, the implant. So, again, sounds very much like an alien story. There was a reason, obviously, he kept referring to it as a troll, though. I mean, must have been something. Now, there's another story that happened closer to home here in March of 1955. And this is your classic Trolls Under the Bridge story. Oh. This is uh, in the Ohio Valley region. There's a lot of people in the area that first heard it from their parents. But it occurred... A, Early in the morning, around 4 a.m. near Branch Hill, when Robert Hunnicutt, a businessman, was driving home, and he saw what he described as three man-like trolls kneeling on the side of the road. They described them as about three foot tall with gray skin. They seemed to be wearing tight-fitting gray clothes and had, or, or their skin appeared to be like that. They had frog-like faces, long slender arms, normal eyes, but no eyebrows, and oddly seemed to have lopsided chests, whatever that means. Now, one held a dark object which emitted blue flashes between its raised arms. Hunnicutt tried to approach them, but said he must have lost consciousness because the next thing he knew, he found himself driving to the police station without remembering what had happened at all between walking towards them and waking up driving on the road. There was an FBI investigation that followed up, and a guard was placed on the bridge just in case, but the trolls were never seen again. Now, again, to me, that sounds more like an alien thing, but... 
you know, I, I, I think I've said in earlier podcasts and I say quite often, I feel a lot of folklore does kind of bleed across those boundaries. You know, you talk about fairy tricksters stealing babies. I mean, yeah. alien abduction. Yeah. And, and so I, I just wonder how much of this stuff. Even Fae, how, you know, the old fairies and stuff, uh, you know, abductions and that kind of. I, mean, I wonder how much of this stuff kind of bleeds across. Just kind of reinvented. And then, and then of course, the most recent sighting happened just a couple of years ago in Colorado, where a local woman, Vivian Gomez, woke up to see a small troll-like creature walking away from her front door down her driveway on her security camera. Now, I've seen this video, I've seen this video multiple times, and let me just say, Master need to give Dobby a sock, because <laughs> this thing looks just like Dobby from Harry Potter, and it looks <laughs> to be completely naked to me. But it is a weird-looking thing. I don't think it's a kid, I'll tell you that. Whatever it is, it is a strange-looking little creature. And a lot of these report, I mean, we're not getting into the giant trolls of, of legend and lore, but this all started out with us talking about, like, hey, we want to do this creature, we want to do something. And you said, well, you know, let's look at Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And I had troll written down on the list already. Now, in Dungeons and Dragons, you have your your troll as kind of a larger than, than a man-sized beast with sort of a long nose, green skin. They're susceptible to fire. Big kind of forehead, protrude. Neanderthal yeah. characteristics. They regenerate when hit. So, you know, unless you burn them with fire or acid or something like that, they're almost impossible to kill. A lot of them have pointed ears, kind of reminiscent to Elvish, you know. When I think of them, I still remember the old uh, first edition AD&D, that black and white picture uh-huh. that kind of, they're all hunched, hunched over. Back. Yep, yep. You know the one I'm talking about. Big warts or gross on them and stuff. Bill, please tell me it's time for Headlines. Well, I've got one. I'm going to bring it back a little closer to home. July 20th, 2022, not all that long ago, a second troll sighting has been made in the city of Springfield, Illinois, not too far from us, with hundreds, if not thousands of people as witnesses and numerous photographs and videos. I think I know where you're going with this. It was back in 2021 when the first troll was spotted by hundreds of people in what is now known as Lincoln Memorial Gardens. Almost exactly a year to date, July 2022, a second troll was again spotted, this time by even more people. These trolls were not aggressive at all. As a matter of fact, they were both given names. The 2021 sighting was given the name Sovin, which is Danish for sleep, which is how they found him. He actually looked like he was just leaning over and sleeping. The 2021 troll was also given an affectionate name of Echo, A-C-O. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it means defender of mankind and one that helps. There are actually hundreds, if not thousands of photographs taken of both of these trolls, even with people leaning up against them. Heck, you can even go there today and visit both of these trolls. I guarantee you they're going to be there. But before you get your hopes up and you're packing your suitcase, these are pieces of artwork done by local students of the Springfield Art Association. They are both sculpted of wood to hold up in the outdoor area and the gardens. And after being created, they were moved to the site and then reassembled. It took the students right at 15 hours to reassemble each one of the trolls that are there now in Springfield, Illinois. 
They were happy to be given a woodland uh, guardians to uh, add to the already beautiful memorial gardens there of the city, where they are to meet and greet and provide some great photo ops for visitors. I'm getting into this clickbait stuff. To be honest, when I was doing my research and I did my internet search, Everything I found was about these troll art installations. <laughs> and I remember one of the first ones I ever saw a picture of was a troll under a bridge in Seattle, which was a really neat looking piece of art. It was a full big sculpture and it looked like he was kind of like holding up the bridge and like he was trying to get comfortable. And, and they, I guess they've got these all over the place now. For my headline, I was scouring the internet and I was looking for troll sightings and I'd already hit the big ones and I couldn't find, like every time I would do a troll sighting and be like, oh, troll sighted in New York City. And I'd be like, really? Click? And it would be another art a statue thing. or art. Yep. And in a Minnesota, you know, they've got them all over the place. I thought, oh, well, Minnesota link. I mean, they actually see trolls up there. Well, they, they see statues. <clears throat> There's a apparently a walking path somewhere where it's just troll art in the woods and you just walk through. I've seen a commercial recently. It may have been the one in Scandinavia that you referenced. And it's, um, it's like a travel commercial and it's a guy and a gal up front and they're, they got into a fight on their vacation and it mentions that they're visiting trolls, I believe in Scandinavia. Yeah. They got them there too. And the guy in the background is kind of their scout leader and he's on a rock and he's like, the trolls here love you or something, you know? And and so they make up and you know, it's all. There's like a, an amusement park or something and it's got a big giant troll statue and yeah, I mean, it's, it's. It was hard to find a headline. And to be fair, I didn't pick a headline. I'm going to do a, a couple of movie reviews real oh, quick. Oh, it's like Siskel Talk and Ebert a couple for movies. those of you who are old enough to remember. You tried to steal my thunder earlier and I had to head you off at the pass. Well, he did. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about that one. There's a couple of movies about trolls. And when I first found out about these movies, one of which I had to go buy immediately as soon as I could find it. And the other I watched with my son as soon as I could watch it. And I'm going to tell you, these two movies are written and directed by two different people, two different companies, but you could watch them back to back and almost believe that one is a sequel of yes. the other. Yes, I agree. They're not bad movies. They're really not. So the first is Troll Hunter, a 2010 Norwegian dark fantasy movie, and it was made as a found footage mockumentary. You think along the lines of the, the Blair, Blair Witch, Witch or something like that. Yep. It was written and directed by Andre Alvredal, and uh, right now it's on Prime Video, I believe, if you have a Prime Video account. I think that's where you can watch it. I bought it on DVD. I've I've seen the dubbed version. I have to admit, I don't I don't like to read subtitled movies because I don't want to say I'm a slow reader. But if I find myself focused on the subtitles, then I don't really pay attention to what's on the screen sometimes. But to summarize the plot of the movie, a group of college students set out to make a documentary about a suspected poacher named Hans. The students follow the poacher in an attempt to secure an interview, and after following him into the forest at night. They see mysterious flashing lights and they hear roars and Hans comes running back screaming, troll! As they make their escape in Hans's lawn rover, it's, it's there that Hans admits that it's not bears he's been hunting, but trolls. And at this point, the students decide a movie about a troll hunter would be much more interesting than a poacher. And so as the movie goes on, they have numerous encounters with trolls of all sizes and descriptions. The, the link to Christianity and them hating Christians comes into play. There's a scene with a troll under a bridge. You have a lot of these old tropes. These trolls are all larger than human beings. And at the end, this sort of part of the movie's climax, they encounter a gigantic mountain troll on a rampage. And I won't spoil any of the details about why. Now, of course, again, I said I listened to the dubbed version, so the voice acting is not great. 
but I think the movie visually is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And honestly, for a, a lower budget movie, the special effects are, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, and it, they're good. It taps into the troll mythology from that region. It's not westernized. This is very much a, a European, Scandinavian, Norwegian troll folklore. Now, I enjoyed it. My kids really liked it. They thought it was good, too. They like, you know, we, we enjoyed it as a family. And and again, if if you're you're not watching a movie like this for the voice acting, you're watching yeah. to watch yeah. trolls attack people, right? Yes. And I and I really do think it it covers a lot of the stuff we talked about tonight. You know, as as far as that, I I can't recommend it enough. Like I said, if you've got Amazon Prime, you can watch it. You know, with a subscription, I believe it's on YouTube. You can watch it there if you have a YouTube subscription. Uh, it's on Google Play, Vudu, or Apple TV, and I think it's less than four dollars on any of them. So if you got a couple bucks and you want to watch a a silly little movie about trolls, man, I I recommend it. I think it's really good. Agreed, agreed. Now the other movie I want to talk about. I consider an unofficial sequel to Troll Hunter. You could watch these two movies and, and you would not. I've seen them both. You would I, not say I that they're not. Yep. Uh, this one is just called Troll. It's a 2022 Norwegian monster movie directed by Roar Ulthag. Now for the plot of this one, a young girl named Nora is being taught by her father the mythology of trolls and the or- and their origins in the local mountains. Now, years, we jump ahead years later, there's a drilling operation tunneling through the mountains. There's an eruption that results in the death of several workers and protesters. They call in the girl, who's now an adult, and she's now a paleontologist. And while the other experts believe that initially the eruption was caused by hitting a methane pocket, she really digs into the footage and discovers footprints in the, in the, the explosion. And even a couple of frames in the explosion where it's clear there's some monstrous beast erupting out of the mine. The first peak of the troll. Yeah. They, they have disturbed a troll from its sleep by drilling. So the troll goes on a rampage across the countryside. It's almost reminiscent of Godzilla at times stomping through crushing yep. buildings. Yep. This thing's huge. They realize finally that the troll is ultimately headed to the Royal palace in Oslo. And Again, there's 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 reasons for a lot of this. I'm not going to spoil the whole movie. Again, this one's tr- packed with troll lore. Again, you have the references to Christians and, and, and their effects on trolls. You've got the, the church bells. You've got all that stuff. You have trolls turning to stone in the sunlight, basically. I mean, a lot of the same kind of stuff. Uh, it, and the monster even has a tragic b- backstory. By the end of it, you kind of feel bad for the troll almost. I watched this one with my middle kid, Sean. He didn't really like this one quite as much. Matter of fact, I think he fell asleep while we were watching this one. But I, I liked it. And again, you know, if you if you're in for a you know watching a giant monster destroy stuff kind of movie, again, you know, this is dubbed. It's it's originally in Norwegian or to me that just adds to it though. Yeah. I mean, you've got their language that just adds to the story. I mean, this is the story of their people. But it, it's it's really good and it touches on a lot of the mythology we talked about today. And and like I said, if you watch these two movies one after another. Like, watch Troll Hunter first. I recommend Troll Hunter first. And then Troll would, would really feels like an unofficial sequel to Troll Hunter. Troll was, of course, a Netflix original. And so you can watch it with a Netflix subscription. I think that's the only way you can watch it right now. But I really enjoyed both of these movies. I don't. And I wouldn't typically plug a movie or something. I don't really think that this is. But I know we constantly recommend things. So. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, you, you've seen them both, apparently. Yeah. I so like them. You liked them. Very both. So yeah, Very much both. So you're out in the woods. You're walking and minding your own business. And something twice the size of a man comes tromping along. How, how are you going to react? Because, again, like with the, the lions, I think I'm going to panic. I got to be honest. I'm not smart enough to run. And I'm curious enough to stay. 
Well, so I would hide. What what is your blood going to make you? You know what I mean? Like good Christian blood there. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, I think I would have to hold back and shakily hold my cell phone camera. So hopefully I, I heard get... a story that could be vaguely troll-like that was related by a friend that was told to him by his grandfather, who was an immigrant from, you know, over in that part of the world. world, where they had gone out on a field trip when he was a little kid back when, you know, there was like one-room schoolhouses. And... I always chalked it up as a Bigfoot story, but obviously his grandfather put a different slant on it. But as they were walking, they were just about to come out of the trees when the teacher had them all get down in the underbrush and something much larger than a man walked through the field where they could see it. I did find a lot of places, even modern day, a lot of the researchers in the region are saying that troll sightings could actually have been their version of, Sasquatch of Bigfoot, Bigfoot or Sasquatch. So, well, I mean, they are hair co- or very hairy. I won't say entirely be, covered yeah. by hair, but some depending on which lore and legend you want to go by. Again, we were just arguing so much of this could possibly overlap. Yeah. Well, we hope that we've given you a little bit to think about and yet again tip our toe into the wide realms of Dungeons and & Dragons and some of the interesting things that you can truly learn from playing a game that's an innocent game, by the way, Yep. about the monsters and lore and legend. Well, we thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Hey, real quick, call to action. I think Eric would agree. We'd like to grow this Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Absolutely. If you could, if you're listening on Apple, if you would go and give us a review and, and rate us. Uh, if you have some feedback, that's fine too. Uh, whatever, whatever platform you're listening, follow us, rate us, give us some reviews. That helps get some recognition. And gets our name out there. We do have a Facebook page, Nightmares on the Lost Highway. You can easily find us if you want to communicate with us. If you want to share some uh, possibilities for future podcasts with us, you know, reach out. We want to talk with you guys. Or maybe the 2010 movie Troll Hunter, followed up by the 2022 Netflix. Oh, oh, oh. Don't talk about them. Don't talk about those. That's okay. my headline. Oh, my bad. I'm doing movie reviews this week. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they have stories about tolls, but tolls, tolls. They had frog-like flaces. Want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, (laughs) using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. And I'd like to thank all of you for continuing to to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much. <laughs>